Welcome to Hoops with Book and Sheed. I'm always excited to welcome you to the pod, but I'm very sad to report that the NBA season is over. However, it is bittersweet because as we all know in the NBA, the season never sleeps, plenty of off-season content. That being said, in today's episode, we talk about the end of the Lakers Heat series, uh, the tight game five, and then the Lakers decisive victory in game six. We talk a little bit about the uh, championship ceremony afterwards, which I found generally pretty entertaining. And then at the end of the podcast, we of course do uh, our new segment, Trivia. Uh, I pitch another question to Sheed. And then we talk a little bit about what we have planned for the the podcast in the off season, which I think people will be really excited about. So uh, thanks for joining us and enjoy the podcast. It is with great sadness, Sheed, that I must say the NBA season has come to an end with the Lakers winning game six, just absolutely thumping the heat. Um, NBA season's come to an end. Bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, mostly just bitter more than the sweet, I think, from my perspective with the Lakers winning and, you know, NBA being over for a period of time here. But I just want to say congrats to the NBA for putting together this whole bubble situation which had zero po- had zero positive tests in uh you know like 200 days or 100 how many days 100 days so you know shout out to adam silver shout out to the player association shout out to the league for doing a good job with all that yeah they they absolutely crushed it um on the topic of bittersweet though the good news about the nba nba never stops so we're just hopping we're going to be hopping right into off-season content, which in some circles people might argue is more fun than actually watching the games. You and I would disagree with that. Anyone who listens to this pod knows that we love analyzing um, how the Lakers are guarding the pick and roll, but uh, there will still be plenty of content to discuss. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, and so later in the pod, we'll talk a little bit about what our plans for the upcoming um, off season will be but let's talk a little bit about kind of the end of this series and the games themselves so obviously game five was a close one that the heat won another fantastic performance from jimmy butler uh duncan robinson absolutely went off had 26 points i think he was seven for 13 from the three-point line which is obviously impressive given the lack of space that he had on the vast majority of those shots um lebron also had a triple double good performance on his side but just wasn't quite enough as danny green missed down the stretch And then game six, the Lakers came out and just absolutely destroyed the heat. I thought they were incredible defensively. Um, And then, you know, they got a lot of big contributions from their bench guys. Again, Rondo had a great game. KCP had a great game. Um, What jumps out to you from these last two games? Yeah, I think in game. A situation where. You know, it was really a duel between Jimmy Butler and LeBron James, and, and both guys played so, so well. But um, the Lakers sort of got lost in the perimeter a little bit, guarding Duncan Robinson, and I think that was the real difference um, in the game. And they sort of turned it around and were so focused defensively um, in game six, which led to, uh, you know, I think a blowout win. I think they did definitely did some things. They changed some things up that helped a lot. I think starting Caruso instead of Howard was very helpful. Um, and you know, they started completely face guard Duncan Robinson, which was really helpful. Um, and they forced Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero to try to be decision makers, um, which they did not do a good job of doing. Um, but I think part of this overall was just like the general fatigue of the Heat as well, right? Like the Heat have worked so hard to get to this point and 
such heavy minutes for so many of the guys that it just felt like they were out of gas. Yeah, I agree with your take there that the heat definitely ran out of gas. The other thing that I couldn't help but feeling uh, was after seeing Dragic come in, which major props to him for gutting it out and trying to play on that foot, even though he wasn't very effective, was like, what would that series have been like if Dragic had been healthy, you know, the entire series, which I think most people are in agreement that it probably doesn't change the ultimate outcome, but would have made it a little bit more entertaining at the very least. Yeah, and I think he unlocks Bam a lot, right, in terms of, like, picking roles, like, you know, getting Bam the ball in spots he likes. Um, and, look, Bam really struggled. And I don't – it's hard to say what part of that comes from the Lakers defense and Anthony Davis, who's obviously a perennial defensive player of the year candidate, and what, of it, what part of that comes from, you know, Bam being injured. But he really struggled. And another adjustment the Lakers made in game six was they just they gave Bam a lot of space. And they basically said, Bam, if you want to – Turn up, turn around, and face up, and hit fifteen footers. Um, we'll let you do that. And he wasn't confident um, doing that, and and so it sort of allowed the Lakers to defend the Heat more easily, and Anthony Davis to stay on the rim and become a disruptor, which he was absolutely dominant defensively in this game. Yeah, that was something that I noticed in this game that I think was like a thread throughout, but if you just look at each side of the ball for the Lakers on the offensive end, they have LeBron James, who is one of the best offensive players of all time, a top three offensive player right now, just a, a tour de force. Like he, like your system offensively, when you have the Lakers is LeBron James. And then on the defensive end, I mean, AD, like you said, perennial defensive player of the year candidate, he was dominant on that end. I, I, I tweeted a, a thing joking of like Kevin Durant swatting some two-year-old saying this is what Kendrick Nunn looks like when he drives in the paint against AD. But I mean, AD had the paint absolutely locked down. And I think moving forward with the Lakers, it, to an extent, it like only matters so much who they fill out the rest of their roster with when LeBron and AD are playing at this level because they have a dominant offensive player and a dominant defensive player. Yeah, and at some point we'll have to talk about the Lakers future and who they resign and who they don't resign because look I think some guys who were really good for them in these playoffs like KCP who played really really well are, are you know up for new contracts and could be getting more money than they would have before the bubble but I think it's important to to, to surround them with perimeter oriented guys like I mean like it's great that they played JaVale McGee so much all year and they played Dwight Howard so much all year but like when it matters most, it feels like AD is going to be the center. So I wouldn't worry so much about spending a lot of money on true centers. And I'd try to focus on my resources on finding, you know, two way wings basically, which is hard to do obviously, but you know, basically if you surround your team with exclusively three and D guys with LeBron and AD, you're going to, you're going to win a lot. Yeah. I agree with that. Nothing to, nothing to add there. Um, Although you could argue that Dwight Howard is a stretch five now after he hit that three right at the end of the game that I was laughing out loud in my apartment when that happened. Yeah. Um, I would not call him a three and D guy, but he, <laughs> did, he, did, five. he did work on his face up jumper game for like a few years in the off season. And it was always like literally the ugliest thing in the world. Yeah. He uh, is, is not a good shooter. Um, the only other thing I was going to say about like the game itself or the series itself is uh, on like the heat side of the ball is I don't really understand why Kelly Olenek didn't get more minutes. I felt like after game three, when you saw what the heat's offense looked like with Jimmy and four guys who could space it out, you would have thought that they would have, 
try to at least go to that a little bit more. And I know Bam gives you so much more on the defensive end, uh, but that was something that confused me. Yeah, and I think, look, Bam obviously was one of, if not their best player in the playoffs up until the finals. And so I understand why I'm playing so many minutes. But, like, very clearly, Anthony Davis's presence at the rim was disrupting the Heat so much offensively that, like, I would have liked to see some Kelly Olenek at center and just try to get, you know, try to pull AD away from the hoop. Because, again, you know, they won a game without Bam. And, you know, if you look at the series in the whole, and this is not saying it's Bam's fault, it's saying that, you know, a bunch of factors came into play here, but they weren't really any better, you know, with Bam versus without Bam. Um, and so I would like to see a little more offense from the Heat as well, especially in this game when they couldn't score, you know, they're down 15 in the mid second quarter and you have 30 points or whatever. Like it just felt like like Spolster should have tried more things and those things shouldn't have been more Kendrick Nunn minutes, but, <laughs> but what yeah, do I know? Ken, Ken, Kendrick Nunn, uh, I mean, I guess game five, whatever he went off, made some shots, but uh, he did not look very good in this game either. Um, okay. Any, uh, so Anything else on like the strategy and tactics of this game before we do a couple of quick hitters? And then I do want to talk a little bit about the award ceremony because I thought there was some hilarious stuff there. But and anything else on the tactics of these last two games? Not really. Uh, I mean, like, I think the Heat's fatigue is especially a big factor for them versus other teams just because like they need Duncan Robinson and Hero to be sp- like sprinting through actions and stuff to create their offense, right? Like they're far mm-hmm. more effort-based 100% of the time than, like, most other M- really good NBA teams are. So I think it really affected them more than it might affect even, you know, other teams in that scenario. Yeah, that's a good point. Hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that that was one weird thing about being in the bubble was there was only one time where they had three days rest, um, and then otherwise it was every other night, which I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Um, can't criticize the circumstances too much. All right, let's do some uh, some some quick hitters just to give the people one last more of these before we move to our off-season pod format. So uh, Matt Stats, I was doing some some Googling last night, had to get deep into the uh, annals of basketball reference, but Tyler Hero was like 35% from the field in the finals. Yeah, Tyler Hero was uh, very bad in this series. Like I, I think you could make the argument that he was the Heat's worst player in the series. Um, not just the missing of shots. Like, to some degree, like, if you miss shots, you miss shots, whatever. But, like, the the quality of the shots he was taking, uh, the decisions he was making, the turnovers he was committing on offense, like, getting lost on defense, it just felt like... And, look, I'm not saying, like, he's a rookie, and he's still a rookie despite how long, like, it's been over a year since he got to the Heat or whatever, but, like, Maybe he just like ran out of legs and like maybe he just hit the rookie wall of the bubble, but um, it was a bad, bad series for Tyler Hero. Yeah, I think the other thing is like he's a very skilled player, but he and like he's got a quick, I think, first step, but he's not an overwhelmingly physical player. And I think against the Celtics when he was getting covered by Kemba, that was much less of an issue, but on the Lakers, he was matched up against like KCP or Caruso or Rondo who are like heady, savvy, 
physical defenders. And so it'll be interesting to see his game moving forward, how much he can move away from being what I would say right now is like a finesse player. Well, yeah. And like, I think part of it is like, he's a very skilled shot maker, but part of the reason why he has to take so many hard shots is he's like not a particularly explosive athlete. He's not a bad athlete, but like he doesn't always generate a ton of separation. Like he's just, he makes tough shots. And like some, like I think the hard thing is like, sometimes you will miss tough shots. And so he doesn't really have something to do to get him an easy bucket. You know what I mean? Um, It's not really his game. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, All right. A ridiculous question. That's just barely worth considering. Um, Let's start with mine. Cause it's simpler. And then you can ask yours. Three forty five for KCP. Is that outrageous? Is that what he's going to get? Is he going to get 15 million a year? Wouldn't shock me. Uh, I, Probably not because I think he probably wants to stay in LA, and um, there's not a ton of. I don't know how much they'll actually be able to give him. I mean, but I assume they don't want to go above like ten a year. Probably. Yeah, I mean, like I could see. What does he make right now? Like twelve. He makes about ten or eleven or twelve. He played very very well, and he's not that old, right? What is he? Twenty eight. Like twenty six or twenty seven. Oh, yeah. So I like, I think he'll get a decent sized contract. It's just a question of. There's just not a lot of money out there, and the finances of the league are a little weird. So it's right. unclear how much he'll get. But I mean, Dan- Danny I mean, Green got Danny Green got three Danny Green got forty five, and is that what he got, or is it a team option for the last year? I hope for the Lakers' sake it is. I don't think it is, but jeez, uh, KCP is obviously a much better player than than Danny Green is right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Crazy. Um... Yeah, I guess my question okay. is, like, when do you think we'll see the NBA again? Like, when do you think opening night's going to be? Dude, I have no idea. Um, I, I've heard whispers of MLK Day. Yep. Yep. Um, so that, that would be my guess, honestly. I think they'll probably play, like, the first half of the season with no fans and then – start having fans i don't know they're gonna have a lot of work to do unfortunately yeah it's tough right because I, I mean the players are not gonna want to go back to a bubble again so they're not gonna bubble but like you can see in the nfl and stuff how much of an issue it is and like i think it's different in the nfl because there's you know 60 players and so much staff and it could be less in the nba but it's tough it's tough they also only travel like once a week in the yeah, nfl yeah. it's tough i'm sure um, i mean if, if it's in home markets i'm sure they're gonna have like more uh consolidated schedules with like you stay home for a while and you and then you leave or you know what i mean i don't think you'll be like having normal road trips i think it'll be more like team stay at home for a week and then travel for a week or whatever um it's gonna be weird obviously but um yeah the nba's i trust the nba to do it well more than i trust baseball or football or whoever the united states government exactly (laughs) <laughs> yeah a little less of a challenge but nonetheless i think the uh the aptitude's a little higher um okay some some funny non-sports related thoughts watching the game um is jalen rose's hair fake because it looks pretty fake i don't think it's fake i see lots of stuff on twitter about how he has like the best barber in the world and how like he just has the best i don't know he is he is a, he's a it, great because his hair looks his hair looks it, really good like he has a very he's full a head of Caroline, you know uh I'm surprised you didn't come up with this one, given your history I, of uh, talking I like about to guys' hair. Guys' hair more than I like to like compliment guys' hair. 
I think is what I would say. Uh, but no, it's great hair. It's it's some of the best hair in in the world. I would say. <laughs> Tremendous hair. Um, the other thing I noticed is this was more of a game five observation, but LeBron is pretty mean to his teammates, and it's also in like a. It's not in like an MJ where he's just where he's just like basically a dick all the time. It's like. It's almost like teenage girl mean. I feel like like he'll like roll his eyes and like throw his hands up in the air at his teammates. He expects stuff. greatness. He expects greatness. What what else? Uh, you know, what else do you want from from the chosen one? <laughs> yeah, I don't have much more to say there. Uh, ninth ninth man player of the day series playoffs. I'll, I'll Rondo give you the, uh, the the pulpit. Rondo. How much is Rondo gonna get paid? I mean, probably not a lot. He's like 35, but like. He was on what? Like a two, two year, five million a year or something? A one year deal. That was like two and a half a year or something. Yeah. But like, he's like, he's definitely worth. I mean, he's objectively a very bad regular season player now, but he's definitely worth like, you know, five million a year or six million a year or whatever. I assume he'll just stay in LA. But this is the weird thing with the Lakers, right? It's like they pay the guys a lot of money. It's like now they have to kind of pay KCP and Rondo more than they would have had to otherwise. But I mean, I'm sure they're happy to do it since they just want a title. Yeah. It's like one of the, it's one of the hard things about LeBron's teams is like guys basically outperform their expectations when you're playing with LeBron, because he's like one of the best passers of all time and best players of all time, like Tristan Thompson. And then they get these huge contracts and it just like sours their yeah, country. It's like great. We're, and like, and like it's all veterans too, right? That's who LeBron surround himself with. So it's like, Eventually, Rondo is going to fall off the second cliff of his career, um, and it seems like Danny Green has too. So, I, like, I think the Lakers are in a weird place just because I mean, AD is kind of young, but like, you know, there's not a lot of guys where you think, "Wow, this guy's going to get better." You know what I mean? Like, may, maybe you think mm-hmm. Kuzma will get a little better, but again, Kuzma's like 26 or whatever, 25 or 26 or whatever. So, it just feels like they'll be good because of the Lakers, but like, it's just going to be like more of the same, which obviously won them a title, so it's not a big deal, but. You, you worry that eventually like, there's more likely to be regression than progression on the roster, obviously. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we'll, we'll say too much of that for or too much more of that for the, the off season pod. Um, all right. Annoying announcer of the night. Uh, this, it, this felt like a, um, it was a special performance by Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. I'll he, say that. Mark Jackson wanted like when they said, they changed the line when when they was now they changed the lineup and like they were starting uh, Caruso instead of Dwight. Um, Mark Jackson was like, "I like I like the move to change the starting lineup, but I I would start McGee." It's like why? Yeah, that's why. Like, Javale McGee is that's like, why he got benched because he was bad <laughs> in the playoffs. Like you're gonna go. Yeah, I, we don't even we don't even need to like validate Mark Jackson by entertaining that statement. That's why Mark Jackson's on TV and not yeah. a coach. Also, the hilarious thing was when they were talking about Danny Green receiving death threats um, for like missing that shot and him like, I don't know, responding with something nice and people being like, Mark Jackson's like, come on, people, we are better than that. And Jeff Van Gundy goes, um, are we really better than that? It was just like, Jeff is such a cynical get off my lawn type of yeah. guy. Yeah. It's. And then, actually, this provides a nice transition into the awards ceremony. Um, Mark Jackson, as they're, like, giving out the trophy, is, like, talking about how 
uh, like Frank Vogel has done a good job, but he hasn't had a hard job. And then he starts talking about how the Lakers aren't the most talented team. And I'm like, Mark Jackson, what are you talking about? They have like two top five players. You're like definitively saying the Lakers aren't the most talented team in the NBA. Like they have LeBron and AD. Like, yeah, what I mean, if, like, what, what is I mean, more I think the Clippers are maybe more talented, but like, and like the Bucks are probably not quite as talented, almost as talented, but like, like, if you're a top three talented team, like you are a most talented team. I mean, it's ultimately semantics. Like it's semantics on how you define talent, but like, it's so dumb to say that a team with LeBron and AD, like is definitively not yes, the most talented agree. team. Um, some other funny things from the award ceremony. So uh, I think Frank Vogel definitely sleeps in a quarter zip. Uh, he like left it on and just put his like championship t-shirt on over that, which I was laughing at. And he just looks perfect in a quarter zip like slightly overweight yep. dad frame yep. you gotta love it um while frank vogel was talking palinka like went for a big high five and just totally got didn't hide rob perez tweeted it. it's pretty funny palinka just like holding his hand in the air um but my favorite moment from the award ceremony was when genie bus is like all right guys or maybe it's adam silver like grab your trophy and like all the players are on one side and J.R. Smith, of all people, just like sneaks behind the trophy case and grabs the trophy and kind of looks at it like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah, J.R., legend. His shirt was off before the game was over. <laughs> I will uh, – I'll be, I'll be sad to see him go if we do see him go. But, um, yeah, I think that, that basically wraps up quick hitters aside from trivia, which because you got this the last one right uh, with your Michael Thompson, you get another question. And then if you miss this one, um, I'm going to make you come up with the next question, but yeah. I have one for you this time. All right. Uh, since the NBA-ABA merger in the 70s, yep. which player has the record for most consecutive double-doubles in a regular season? And you'll get bonus points if uh, you say the number of them as well. The most consecutive double-doubles? Yes. Uh, I have literally no idea this time, but I'll say it's. I mean, I'll say it's Daryl Dawkins. Um, I don't really like that right. answer. I don't really like that answer. Uh, I would say it's Daryl Dawkins. I kind of want to change my answer to Moses Malone, but I'm going to stick with Daryl Dawkins, and I'll say. Uh, that's that Daryl Dawkins is wrong. So here, let's do this. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It has occurred in the last decade. It's Kevin Love. It has to be Kevin Love. That is correct. And it's like what year, what year and how many games? Well, it's Kevin Love. And if it's Kevin Love, it's before he got traded to the, to the Cavs. And I actually think it's a few years before that. Cause he used to be like fat. And he was like a dominant rebounder and he was fat. And then he got a little skinnier and he was probably a better player, but he was less of a dominant rebounder. So I'll say fat Kevin Love. He got traded to the Cavs when LeBron came back, which was like in 2014. So I'll say like 2012 and I'll say like 32 straight double doubles. It was Kevin Love. It was in 2012, 2013. It was 53 consecutive double doubles. That's a lot of double doubles. Fat, yeah, that right? Kevin Love was a problem. Yeah, dude. I, I wish we could have that Kevin Love back. He was so much fun to watch at UCLA when you would like get a rebound and throw a full court outlet pass. 
Yeah, he just like was so bad at defense though in the NBA. Like those those like those T Wolves teams were actually it's not like he got that much better. Yeah, I mean like I don't know, but those T Wolves teams were actually very similar to like the Carl Anthony Towns situation with those T Wolves has been previously. Really talented offensive player who just like they just can stop nobody. Yeah, seems about right. Um, okay, so uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to count that as you getting it right. No, that's me getting it I don't wrong. think I'm going to. I love. I actually okay. really like Moses Malone after I thought about it, but maybe those guys yeah. just win of points. Um, Probably that or like with a shortened season. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. The last thing we want to talk about is our uh, is our plan for the pod moving forward. So obviously, not quite the same cadence with a bunch of games and being able to recap those and then do previews and whatnot. But um, we still certainly do have the intention of putting out this podcast in the off season. I think we'll probably move to more of a like once or twice a week type cadence. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. To yeah, you? it does. That sounds right. Okay. And then in terms of content, I think for large events, we'll sort of continue to do some degree of like a preview and a recap. So like the draft and free agency, I don't think we're going to be like doing individual scouting reports for Tyrese Halliburton. Um, But we'll at least do like an episode kind of before and after talking about what we're watching out for, what we're excited about, uh, whether or not the Pistons will manage to draft the wrong guy for the 10th consecutive year. Um, I still, I still then, believe in Luke Kennard. I still believe in Luke Kennard. Yeah, I mean, as like what, like Joe Harris as a ceiling. Um, yeah. Anyways, let's. Saying. I don't want to okay. talk about this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're also going to do a lot of off-season previews. So I don't. We're not going to do it for every team, but we're going to do like a ten or fifteen minute. This is what you should watch out for. You know, potential trades, who they should look to draft how they can improve their roster with what, probably 10 or 15 different teams. Uh, Yeah, probably 10 or 15. And like, obviously I think to our listeners, like reach out to us on Twitter and like, tell us if there's a certain team you want to hear about, because we'll talk about anyone. Yeah. We're not just going to limit it to like the best teams. We want to just do the teams that will be the most interesting. Um, we're also going to have some guests on. So I, we've only done this once before with uh, Aiden. We were talking about the Mavs, but we're going to bring on some guests to talk about specific topics. So I think we'll have um, Nate Hollenberg, NBA analytics expert, on to talk all things analytics. We're going to have Aiden back on to do a uh, what the NBA should change about its rules. We might bring on Sheed's brother, Brian, for the Celtics offseason preview. Um, we'll, we'll cook up some more juicy stuff there to just kind of vary it up a little bit and get some new voices on the pod. Yeah. I mean, that should be, that should be really fun. Yeah. And then last thing, granddaddy of them all, we're going to do our, uh, international team tournament. So, uh, I got to put in some work on the back end there to kind of pull all the rosters together, probably create seating. I cut out there for a second. Uh, we still need to create the uh, USA team, so we need to put in some more thought there. But eventually, we'll make those teams. We'll do the seeding. We'll have she do some simulations on 2K, um, and that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, like you said, you and I obviously love watching NBA games, but the NBA offseason is also great, and the NBA draft is only like a month away. So, you know, never sleeps. Yeah. The NBA never sleeps. So uh, thank you to all of our listeners who uh, came with us from kind of mid-bubble until now. It's been a pleasure watching um, and talking about the NBA with you. And uh, we look forward to continuing things this offseason. Yeah, it was a great bubble and looking forward to next year already. All right. Thanks, Sheed. See ya.
Thank you.